My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Happy Father's Day to those of you to whom that applies. Um, I'm wearing my Vanderbilt jersey today because the doors are going to take home another NCAA baseball championship. Where is he? He's in the back. I'm going to heckle you today, Skip. Arkansas is going down. It's not going to happen. Mandy's going to take care of them like Jesus took care of the Pharisees in today's text. Uh, <laughs> And on that note, we'll start in Mark chapter 2. <laughs> so if you got your handouts from last week, uh, it's the same handout from last week, uh, because basically we got through the first real paragraph there, are there any literary or structural observations? And we took a look at some of the Old Testament texts that are very helpful in uh, understanding the framework and the context of what's going on in Mark chapter 2. So we looked at uh, Exodus 25, uh, portions of the law there. We looked at uh, Leviticus 24, talking about the, uh, the tabernacle and the, the showbread or the bread of the presence. Uh, Exodus 20, uh, 10, uh, that's the, the Ten Commandments text that talks about uh, honoring and uh, not working on the Sabbath. And then uh, Deuteronomy 23, and then we get to our First Samuel 1 text, which was David and Abiathar and David and his men eating the bread of the presence. So let's read through uh, Mark chapter 2, and then we'll jump in and start looking at the last few verses of Mark chapter 2. And I am, so I told Anna Grace last week I was what? How, what percent sure, 20, 25% sure maybe that we would finish chapter 2 last week? Yeah, we, I'm, it's a very high percentage chance today, I think that we will. So, so we'll read Mark chapter 2 and then talk about 23 through 28. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together, so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. When they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. When they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, 
for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. One Sabbath he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him? And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So I mentioned just a minute ago that we had looked through these Older Testament references, uh, but I want to make sure that we stop and we ask our question each week. uh, What is God doing in you through his word, the portion specifically of Mark that we've studied so far? So what is God doing in you? Yes, ma'am. Congratulations on surviving. Some of you may be under the misguided impression that this is an exhaustive study of Mark. <laughs> this is just a slow study of Mark. <laughs> uh, those are different. Uh, exhaustive studies would be uh, two, three hundred, four hundred pages worth of material at this point of Mark. Um, it's it's like this whole other universe of academia and deeper theological analysis and textual criticism and I mean all sorts of things that we really I mean we. We kind of tip our hat to just a little bit and then move along pretty good. But yes, that. But even, but even the stuff that you, like even just reading, like when we, even when we read something, there was something that we all just, I don't remember mm-hmm. reading those words. Like even just, and it was words that you know you've read, but. Because the Spirit is always at work in the life of a believer. Um, 
and and I want to I want to make sure that I belittle myself and the speaker accordingly, because none of what we really understand about this is because of me or because of him, or because of any commentary. It is the Spirit of God using the Word of God, quickening our hearts to understand and marvel at the glory of God. Uh, so yes, very much so. Any others this morning? Yes, sir, Dave. Um, in the very last part of chapter 2, he says, he said the Sabbath is made for man, not man's consent. Yes. And um, my current life experience makes sense pretty much that we usually get back to and, and, and almost in, in any organized part of the church, we, we got it back. You know, we spend a lot of time doing different things that we call ministry, but we don't come back to what God actually asks. Yeah. Just take care of the widows and orphans, and, and, and that's true that religion does well for God. Right? And so um, that's where my head is currently. It's said, you know, how many of these things am I doing? Do I really actually have that? of this do we have backwards now? Yeah. Doug? I saw that hand. No? Okay. So as we talked about just a few minutes ago, these uh, literary and structural observations. So if somebody that was here last week, if you wanted to summarize maybe in two or three or four sentences what those texts from, that's a hard word for me to say. <clears throat> Rednecks don't say that word easily. <laughs> Uh, what all of those different Bible passages, it's good to have synonyms, um, uh, what all of those uh, kind of summed up and talk about. Somebody uh, speak and give us a summary of what those Old Testament passages are talking about. Obedience. Okay. So like specifically what are these particular Old Testament texts, What obedience in what context? Yeah, this is about the bread of presence. So where was that supposed to live? In the temple, right? And who was supposed to eat it? The priests were supposed to eat it. Who was not supposed to eat it? Not priests, right? Yep. Um, sometimes being a mathematician is easy. You just say awkward word structures. And it's true. That's right. Great. Um, who did eat it? David and some of his men, right? Um Another, uh, there's a specific day of the week that was special to God. What day of the week is that? The Sabbath, right? And how much work are you supposed to do on the Sabbath? None. Um, so is that a, a pretty decent summary of those particular passages? Yeah, we kind of hit the high points. All right. So then we turn our attention to Mark chapter 2, verse 23, and it says, one Sabbath. It's like, all right. So immediately... We're in a context of there's certain expectations for this specific day. So the expectations for this specific day, he was going through the grain field. So who's the he here? It's Jesus, right? Sometimes the context really helps us, and sometimes it's like, I think it's Jesus, but I'm not sure. This absolutely is Jesus. Jesus is going through, uh, it's one of my favorite Greek words, dia. This is through the middle of the grain field. We're not cutting around the grain field. We are not, uh, well, that's somebody else's property. We're going to go, no, 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 we're going through the grain fields. And um, 
as they made their way, so who's the they? It's his disciples, right? There's the comma, his disciples, began to pluck. And this is present participle active, so this is repeatedly plucked. This is not, they didn't, they didn't walk through and, oops, I knocked one off, I'll grab that. No, no, this is repeatedly grabbing these. And, and I don't know how much uh, you guys know about uh, grain. Grain is not my specialty. I grew up on a horse farm. Um, there we go. All right, now we're there. Uh, but when you talk about heads of grain, this is the part of uh, a plant that is the head of the grain, right? It's got the little bitty pieces at the end. Now, I want you to think about this. Um, how many of you, so when was the last time you walked through a grain field and plucked that off and popped it in your mouth? About a week ago. About a week ago. All right, so, I, so I've got one. 1987. 1987. Years ago, right. Now, why? You may have done this as a child, right? Oh, I wonder what that tastes like. And then you would like, not do it again, right? Because you, your parents had money and you could have bought forced food that was actually cooked, right? Um, it, it is very sweet, though, right? Yeah, so, so how would you describe the taste of it, darling? Oh, okay. <laughs> She's like. That was your Genesis chapter three moment right there. <laughs> Just backward though. Nobody laughed at that joke? I thought that was a good joke, right? Come on. We actually have been joking about this because we have this in our yard. Yes, right? Separating the shaft yeah. from the wheat. Yeah. And then oh, we heard that before, right? Yeah. That's a real thing. Right? It's it's how we eat. I mean, there are massive machines that do this today very quickly, but it's the exact same thing, the exact same principle. Right? So the disciples are going through. Now, so I want to ask you a question. Is a here's your Bible trivia question for the day, and the answer is blatantly, obviously, in the text. Who is plucking the heads of grain? What does the text say? His disciples. Right. His disciples are plucking the grain. Right? They made their way through, but his disciples are plucking the grain. Yes, ma'am. disciples did what? Exactly what the rabbi did. Exactly what the rabbi did. They 
begin to pluck these heads of grain. Now, do you remember in one of the Old Testament passages that says, if you, I'm going to paraphrase, if you find yourself in your neighbor's vineyard, you can do what? You can eat your fill, but you can't do what? You can't take it with you, right? No fill in your pockets, no filling up the bag, don't bring a sickle with you, you're not, this is not harvest time, this is, I'm hungry, I can fill my belly. That was a legal maneuver. Combined with, on the Sabbath, you don't get to do work. So what? What? Have you ever seen a child that, uh, that asked the question, why were your eyes open during prayer? <laughs> I, I feel like this is the, like, why were your eyes open during prayer moment for the Pharisees, right? Because where were the Pharisees to have seen all this? They're yeah. with him, right? And, and you're going to see, oh, that's an awful joke. I'm not going to say that. Uh, you're going to see, I guess I am. Uh, you're going to see that the Pharisees have their fill mm, of Jesus right here because of what happens in chapter 3. In chapter 3, Jesus heals one more fellow. And in verse 6 of chapter 3, the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. Like, it took two chapters and they're done. They're like, we're done with this guy. He is, he's messing up everything. We had this wonderful structure and framework in place and he's messing it all up. Which is what religious people get angry about when God intervenes and messes up religious frameworks. So, verse 24. And the Pharisees were saying, this is an imperfect, so it's repeatedly occurring in the past, were saying to him, look. Now, do you see the word highlighted after look? What's the word highlighted in your handout after look? An imperative. So, Shanda, how do you feel about telling Jesus what to do? <laughs> You're like, those words, those words didn't even taste good coming out of my mouth, right? It's just like, look, why? That's a fun study in the Gospel of Mark. It, it, the word why shows up 64 times to see how Mark uses the word why. Who uses it most? Who uses it uh, against those who uses it most? Uh, it's, it's a pretty interesting study. Uh, why are they doing, who's the they? The disciples, once again, why are they doing what is not lawful? And what were the Pharisees always concerned about? Always concerned about the law, right? Always, always keeping score, always observing, always watching out for everybody else. They are the captains of the um, the Bugatti Club. I was going to say the toothpick in your eye and the beam in mine, right? Um, I mean, it's just, I like Gotcha Club a lot better, though. That's really good. Why are they doing what's not law? Can you hear the, can you hear the, this is the little brother, the little sister that's telling on the older sibling, right? Or the other way around, whichever way it happens to be. Uh, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And they had studied this for years and years and years and years. And they're like, I've got him now. Cannot get Jesus. Yes, sir. So we haven't defined work. We haven't, have we? No. So, in my mind, I'm thinking if they were out there harvesting, 
harvesting the field, that would be a lot different than, hey, I'm hungry, let me grab a handful of weeds. Thank you for asking this question. Because we, as New Testament believers, look at just the Old Testament and we say, what's the big deal, right? That's not what the Pharisees were looking at. The Pharisees had taken the Old Testament and then they had added to the Old Testament the rabbinical teachings. And then they had added to the rabbinical teachings the Old Testament commentaries. And they'd added to the commentaries the legends and the myths. So they were sifting through all of this, can I say garbage? Uh, we'll say extraneous material, right? And what they had done, and I'm so thankful that you did this just a minute ago, they had so wrapped the grain in so much shaft that they couldn't see what the actual kernel of truth that was originally there was. They'd gotten it all mixed up. So they're not only commenting on their interpretation of the Old Testament, but also the, what would it have been at this point? 1,000, 1,500, 1,500, 1, years of rabbinical commentary on the Old Testament, which is a lot of commentary. And that commentary had made up all sorts of rules. And one of the rules was you could only walk so many steps away from your house on the Sabbath day. So to get around this, they would leave articles of clothing at their friends' homes because, well, I'm going and I'm retrieving this thing that's mine, so that's not work, right? That's just, I'm going to go see a friend. So then I got to reset the count, the step counter. I, like fit, They would have loved Fitbits, right? You'd be like, your Fitbit's not. I mean, it's just ridiculous. But all this extraneous stuff. So they had rules around this was work and 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 this was in the rules. But this isn't an actual Old Testament text itself. Right? Does this make sense? Because what do you do when you want to keep power? You start making up new rules. I mean, this, this is just fundamentally about the power grab. And who's at the top of the chain? And this, they thought they were. And then they met the Lord of the Sabbath. <laughs> In a grain field of all places. <laughs> See, Jesus does this, like, pulling back on the, on the Clark Kent uh, suit periodically. He does it in all sorts of different places, which I think is brilliant. Because he doesn't just wait until Sunday morning, or not the Sabbath uh, morning teaching to demonstrate. He does this all over the place. All right, I'm going to quit teaching you. You can teach everybody else now. All right. So verse 25, and he said, who's the he? It's Jesus. And Jesus said to them, have you never read? <laughs> Whatever's stronger than a punch. <laughs> it's like a head kick. <laughs> it is. Have you never read? And so not only, we just talked about this, not only had they read the Old Testament, They'd read the rabbinical commentary and the interpretation and the legends and the myths and all sorts of craziness. And yes, they had read what David, and so he didn't pick some obscure, uh, you know, who's the fourth cousin of this old, I mean, it's like David. Everybody's supposed to know who David is, right? Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? So, just as we did in the prior passage in this question about fasting, who is Jesus in the example? 
Who is Jesus in the example, though? He's actually David in the example, right? Now, he is teaching his disciples that he is their daily bread. Yes, absolutely. But in the analogy itself, he is, he is David. What David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, so those who were with him, David's men that were out on this assignment, uh, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar. Now, some of you may have, if anybody's researched this passage, uh, this is one of those texts where people who do not believe the Bible is true start to nitpick at the wording in Mark because Abiathar uh, was not technically the high priest at that moment in the Old Testament, but he was very close to that time. It, it put them in the in the general time frame of what was going on. We are not chasing that rabbit today. I can give you good resources to chase that. I would prefer not to spend an entire Sunday school lesson on that. So acknowledge and move on, Jim. All right, so in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence. So again, we talked about this last week. This bread of the presence was this sacrificial bread that uh, the people brought this pure uh, materials for. The priests would set it out before the Lord, and then they would consume it themselves. So ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priests to eat. So you see how Jesus is kind of, yeah, you, you got part of this right. You got part of this right. And also gave it to those who were with him. Verse 27. And he said to them, so now the hammer's going to drop. The Sabbath was made for man. What's the Greek word for for? You're like, whoa, what? Okay, yeah, so think about this for a second. The Sabbath was made through man. The need for the Sabbath went through man, not through God. Not man through the Sabbath. God didn't create the Sabbath and then go, we need a man to obey the Sabbath. Go back to Genesis 1, look at the order. This, all this order matters, right? You create the man, then you create the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for the man. God himself uh, observed uh, a Sabbath rest in the first week. So verse 28, so at, this is another really good word in Mark. Um, happens 13 times in Mark. And it only happens a few times that Jesus says it. Uh, is it hoste? Hoste? Excellent. I have a Greek grammarian in the room today. Bam. Yes. It is a really helpful resource, let me tell you. Uh, but this is the therefore. And in and, and some, some of the English translations, it actually is translated therefore. But we, we actually get to see Jesus' logic rolling out here, not just his exampling and us trying to figure out, like, where is he going with this? No, 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 this is his conclusion. Therefore, the Son of Man, who's the Son of Man? Jesus. Jesus is Lord, curios, even of the Sabbath. So, so put yourselves in the eyes of the Pharisees for just a second. So the Pharisees think they've gotten Jesus for breaking the Sabbath. And what Jesus says to them is that I am Lord of this thing that you think is ruling over me.
So he hits them with, you hadn't read the Bible. <laughs> and then the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And oh, by the way, I'm in charge of the Sabbath. <laughs> so this is, does anybody have a fidget spinner on them? That's what their heads are doing right now, right? It's just, <laughs> I mean, in some ways you could say that this is almost mean. Uh, I think it's fantastic because bad theology needs to be addressed. Right? So they had a really bad understanding of what was going on here, and it needs to be addressed. So I want to pull the thread that Dave talked about a minute ago, because this is where I wanted to land today. So I thank you for setting that up for me, Dave. Um, one of the things that you guys know that I like to do is work on church constitutions and bylaws. Like, Yay! <laughs> it's actually more dull at times than it sounds. Um, but sometimes we put things into formal documents. And the, the Constitution and bylaws, so our church is a recognized uh, corporation. Uh, it is a, a, a quote-unquote business, if you will, that is recognized by the government. And to be recognized in specific ways, you have to have uh, legal documents that outline how you're going to function as an organization, right? And I know I'm messing up all the tax terms. I don't know where about that right now. We'll, we'll let you circle back one day and fix all that. Excellent, great. Um, and the Constitution and bylaws dictates the legal rules around how we function. And for years and years, for decades, our church's Constitution and bylaws has dictated that we have a monthly business meeting. Whether we have business to conduct or not, we are going to have a monthly business meeting. And this was put in sometime in the late 50s, early 60s. I don't know exactly when, but it's been around a long time. And it served very well before the days of instant communication everywhere through a variety of devices. Today, it is really not necessary. So our church staff came to me a few months ago and says, Jim, what would it take for us to move to a less frequent uh, occurrence of the business meeting? Now, how many of you have never been to one of our church business meetings? It's completely okay to raise your hand. They are the dullest, most boring things ever. But largely because about 85, 90% of the time we don't do anything. It's, we read the minutes from the prior meeting. Any new business, any old business? All right, praise the Lord. Let's go home. Uh, and when I was meditating on how to do this and how to do it well, this particular text came to mind. Because what we do so often is we take something that somebody before us started and we say, well, that's the only way you can do that. We have to fit it in this way. And the beautiful thing is that the scripture gives us a truly shocking amount of freedom to do a lot of fun different things in church that don't involve having a business meeting every four and a half weeks. Does this make sense? So like, the implications from this are also, it's not just a Sabbath implication. The implications from this are don't let our systems rule us in ways, Dave, that get away from the original intent of the framework itself, which I think is a really helpful thing. And if you think about philosophically what the Pharisees were doing, they had gotten as far away from the original intent of the Sabbath, which was rest, right? Spend time with God. What were the disciples doing? 
walking through the grain fields with God, right? They were checking off these boxes, right? It's truly amazing how sideways we, 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 talking to myself now, especially in positions of church leadership, can get with, well, we've always done it that way. What's the heart pull of the scripture? Which direction is it pulling us? How about we do it that way? All right, does that make sense? Yes? Excellent. Did that answer your question from last week? Oh, excellent. Then we won't cover that question because we're out of time, so that works out well. All right, so uh, on your weekly update, I want to draw attention to something on your weekly update. We have, is my green picture still up here? It is, yes, there we go. Uh, we have some the upcoming events in the upper left-hand corner. So today is June 16th. Is it 16th? It's not 16th, is it? Yes. Is it? Excellent. Today is June 16th, yes. So we're in Mark. Uh, next week, uh, we'll still be in Mark. And the week after that, we have a campus-wide Sunday school. So uh, a couple of really neat things are going to be happening that week. So don't, you don't want to miss. But I did want to mention we are not going to be in this room doing Mark in two weeks. We've got something in the gymnasium that we're going to do, which is kind of cool. And I've got more information on it if you want, but it's a longer announcement. So if you're interested, there it is. All right, so uh, if you will lean in and engage, pray over those prayer requests. After you have finished praying as a table, please don't duck out. Uh, after you have finished praying as a table, then you are free to go and worship this one who is Lord of the Sabbath. <laughs> it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. All right. Thanks for coming to Sunday School today, guys. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.